This fall, the Fantasy Sports Channel will make history all over again with even more live fantasy sports radio than anywhere on the planet. At least 12 hours of fantasy football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus more fantasy sports talk every Saturday and Sunday. More than 50 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Try getting that on your radio dial. The Fantasy Sports Channel, only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. Mike, it's like Christmas. Three rounds in the book. We have four more to go. The NFL One bleeds red, and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rivalry. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, with your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Through the snow In a one horse open sleigh O'er the fields we go <laughs> Laughing all the way Bells on bobtail ring Making spirits bright What fun it is to ride And sing a sleighing song tonight Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells Jingle all the way I had to play it because it is Christmas time for all of the fans of the National Football League. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of Red vs. Blue Fantasy Sports Radio, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. We have Lance in the chat room. Cool nerds. Welcome, fellas. We uh, we are doing another episode of Red vs. Blue Fantasy Sports Radio. I'm your host, Scott Atkins, team legacy in the world of high-stakes fantasy football. And as always, I'm joined by my big blue co-host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent. Mike, you know, I watched the NFL draft. I got a lot of comments on the draft. Uh, we're going to get started tonight. It's an hour long. We're going to be with you for the next 60 minutes. But, Mike, it was Christmas time for a lot of a lot of teams in the National Football League over the last two days. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, first off, I, I thought the draft was uh, kind of boring. Uh I mean, I'm going to be straight up honest with you. Out of the first three rounds, uh, we're talking about, uh, what, 27 position players taken. But out of every single one of those, I, I broke them down in my mind and I've looked at them, and every single one of the 27 position players taken are going to make an impact. may not be this year, but it may be next year. So there's a lot of things that, that's going to happen, and who knows what's to happen in round uh, four, five, six. And seven, Mike. We got we got four more rounds tomorrow. So, uh, you know, I, it was funny because you, you, what you really had tonight was you had uh, teams last night and today. You you had teams that got a little taste of what the New York Jets have been going through all this off season. It's been Christmas for the New York Jets, and uh, you know they picked up another player yet again, Mike. And you know this man, you know him, Jason Taylor of the Miami Dolphins. To the New York Jets, they just, they just keep losing their money. Come on, sing with me now. Help. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I had a buddy of mine. I caught it. I had a buddy of mine uh, that I ran into today, and uh, he's, you know, he's a he's a football fan, just straight up simple. And uh, he said, he come up to me, he said, Mike, the Jets mean business. They want to win in 2010, not 2011, not 2012. They want to win now. And I said, yep, you're right. And guess what they did? <laughs> yeah, they went out and they they keep getting their players. And we're, we'll, we'll talk about the Jets again. We've got a lot of uh, things to talk about. 
Uh, obviously, we represent the world of high-stakes fantasy football for the most part here. We, we talk about the world championship. We talk about the fantasy football players championship. We talk about the national fantasy football championship. We talk about them all. Mike, you're a big baseball fantasy player, so I know you've been doing some big things there. How's your team looking? Uh, so far, uh, not real good. <laughs> no. To be flat out honest with you, I'm not getting good pitching. Uh, I need to, I need to get some pitching. Uh, and for everybody out there, I'm uh, I'm about a week away from uh, starting the uh, uh, Teasy Money plays. Uh, I've been looking at a lot of different games, a lot of different situations. Uh, last year, I believe I started right about this time, latter part of April, first part of May. So uh, Teasy Money plays are they're going to start out. Uh, I hope I can make that uh, you know twenty and two streak like I did last year, but. Uh, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to making a bunch of plays. But uh, I'm about uh, I'm about three pitching starts off from making some plays. And Mike, uh, I know you call those the TV money plays. Uh, we also call them the knock you off your computer chair plays of the week. Uh, that's his baseball plays. Everybody knows uh, what Mike was able to and capable of last year, going like 17 and one, 18 and one. You have to get on those lances in the chat room. He's a big gambling man himself. Hit some big parlays back in the day. And uh, you'll, you'll be released yeah, just, over at myffcc.com. Yeah, to put, uh, to, put, to put baseball to rest uh, before we get on to the draft, i just like to see uh, every pitcher go through the rotation, you know, three, three times at least, and then we'll go from there. But FFPC, uh, there's going to be – you know, there, there's going to be a blog on there, uh, going to be a chat line on there when you uh, talk about it. So I'm looking forward to it. 347-324-5404 is the number. If you want to call in, we have uh, we have lines open right now. We take calls. Uh, we, you know, we'll, we'll see if you can't fit into our show a little bit. If you want to talk about who your team drafted, Mike, it, uh, it's, all up, it's all up to you guys, the fans that we, we call the uh, – we officially refer to our – our chat room as the crew here at versus Blue. The crew is made up of the best minds in, in fantasy football. Now feel free to come in and ask a question or give a take. Mike, we're going to start off with the draft right after we talk about the FSC, the Fantasy Sports Channel. We're streaming live on FSC.com. Mark Ronick and the guys there at Fantasy Sports Channel bringing you all the action every single day of the week. Uh, Mike, let's talk about the draft. Let's get right to it. The, the draft started off as expected. The St. Louis Rams uh, decided to go ahead and, and improve their franchise and lock it up for at least, you know, you've got to give this kid the next five years, win or lose. Sam Bradford, the choice of Oklahoma, the pride of Oklahoma, to the St. Louis Rams, Mike. All he has to do is hand off the ball, maybe dink and dunk uh, to, uh, to the guys and maybe a deep ball every once in a while to Avery. This has got to be an improvement for this team. They had a lot of other needs, but, you know, they had to do it, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a no-brainer. Uh, they have to go Bradford. Bradford, uh, he carries himself well uh, as a uh, 22-, 23-year-old. Uh, he carries himself well. He's going to improve that organization. That organization needs improvement. They need to find their face uh, to make themselves better. Steven Jackson has been begging for something to happen. Uh, but, you know, in the later rounds, you know, we're talking about rounds uh, four, five, six, seven. They have to go out and get him some protection, get Steven Jackson some protection. I mean, <clears throat> you can take the best quarterback in the world, but if you don't have protection, it's going to be tough. Well, you're right about that. And, and they, they, I think they have tried to address that in the second round. Uh, the Lions came back and, and took the, the, you know, the defensive tackle from Nebraska, uh, Dominican Sue, but then, you know, you had two more Oklahoma players off the board. I think that's the first time I've ever seen that happen, Mike. Three Oklahoma players in the first four picks. I'll tell you one other thing. I just want to talk about the draft real quick, and you guys here in the chat room, feel free to chime in and give your take on what I'm what we're talking about here about the NFL draft. But look, they broadcast live on prime time Thursday night. I was out of town. I was in a hotel. We watched it from there. We ordered in Chinese, and then I, I got to tell you, I was into it. Ready? I mean, I mean, I was I was ready for it. You know, I'm hyped. I'm pumped. I want to see what's going on. And you know. This thing got amazing ratings, right? I mean, they 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 crushed it, Mike, on television. They absolutely crushed what they what they went out what they came out to do. Now, there's a couple of beefs here. I was talking to a buddy of mine. And we kind of talked about this this afternoon on the road. A couple of things that came up, Mike. Number one, 
you gotta hate the uh, you gotta hate the little dancing going on after every pick. You know, they show the the, the guy flipping the balls and doing all the dancing. I mean, uh-huh. this is football, right? You you, you gotta you gotta show me hitting somebody for a defensive player. You gotta show me throwing up touchdown pass. So you can't show me dancing around with the balls, right? I just didn't get that. Well, that's part of the showmanship. Uh, I think that Roger Goodell put that in there, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, I think that what they did this year, even though I was at work on Thursday night, I think it was fabulous. I think to do that first round is perfect. And then 24 hours later, do the second and third. Now, tomorrow, we keep going and getting the meat and potatoes of who's going to find what, you know, as far as they're showing the dancing and all this, all these things, uh, you know, that, that's part of the showmanship of it. But uh, the way the draft was structured this, this year, I thought, is a masterpiece. Well, you know, okay, so, you know, you brought up Roger Goodell. Let me go ahead and just get this out of the way right now. Roger Goodell is a fantastic leader. He has taken the NFL to the next level, and, and you know, I'm reminded of Jerry Maguire, you know, and I see all these players come up to the stage, Mike, and they get they give him this huge bear hug, and he hugs them back, man. That that guy, that commissioner of the NFL, is doing some big things, Mike. He is bonding with the players, he's making an impact, and he's he's coming down on the heart. They don't want to behave, you know. They yep. they got to pay the price. You've seen it. Yep. Yeah, and you know, I mean every uh, I mean every hug he made, you know, it was you know I could I could see the first thing that popped into my mind when every time that a player came out there on stage hugging and this and that, it was like, you better behave. <laughs> you yeah. better behave. But uh, I think all of them were uh, excited and ecstatic to be uh, a part of uh, that stage in Radio City Mu- Music Hall in uh, New York. They were they were proud to be a part of that stage, lucky to be a part of that stage, and uh you know they're gonna they're gonna do something for the franchises, but it's from here on out what they do and what their franchises makes them a part of the situation. You know, and I also got another beef about this NFL draft. You know, I loved what we saw. I had a, I had a good time. I'm enjoying it. But I tell you what, something that really took the enjoyment out of it. And again, I was talking to a friend this afternoon. We talked about this. Something that really took the enjoyment out of it, Mike. They're getting the phone call. They put the camera crew on the phone call before the pick's even made. It kind of takes the yeah. and the thunder out of that pick, right? I mean, I want to yeah. you want to know about the pick when when it's made, but you know you're killing the thunder with the, with the guy talking on the on the cell phone. <laughs> yeah, I noticed. Well, see, I didn't see it Thursday, but I noticed or last night, but I noticed it tonight. Uh, it's like, well, I already know who's being picked. Uh, that's not fun, you know. I, I mean, I'm ready for the anticipation, you know. What, who are they going to take? What's it going to be? Who's it going to be? What position? You know, and I understand exactly what you're saying. And that did take away kind of the fun of it. But I think the overall structure of doing the first round on Thursday in prime time and then waiting 24 hours and then doing second and third round tonight, I, I think the structure of it is perfect. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I think the chat room agrees with that and, and agrees with us in that general sentiment, Mike. I mean, you know, come on, let's let's let's, let's save a little. Throw the, throw the camera on it afterwards or after the fact or something. There was always a tape delay anyway, so. Right. I guess the big I guess the big story there as we move on, let's just go ahead and move through the draft, Mike, because as we see it, uh, a lot of action on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, we don't play a lot of IDP leagues in high stakes. Uh, for you IDP fans, we apologize. But we move on down the list to the nine pick. And the Buffalo Bills come up to the clock, Mike, and you don't know what's going to happen here. Matter of fact, the Seahawks were up at six, and we really thought that Spiller might go there. But the Bills go ahead, and, and they get real aggressive, and they want Spiller, and they, and they take him. It took about two seconds for him to take this kid. We did a special on C.J. Spiller you know, a few weeks back, and we, we told you this kid was dynamite. We told you this kid was electric. Does this spell the end of Marshawn Lynch? It has to, right? He's got he's to go. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. Marshawn Lynch is uh, he's old news. Uh, and to be honest with you, Fred Jackson, uh, if you're a Fred Jackson owner, you got to be sweating bullets right now. You got to be ready to trade him or do something. C.J. Spiller is that good. Uh, you know, like we talked about Scott in the past couple weeks, is he Chris Johnson material? Eh, maybe not right now, but he has that ability to be there. 
you know, I've got I've got some players uh, that have been drafted that I highlighted as uh, big time, and I've got players highlighted as could be a bust, and uh, he is one definitely highlighted as big time. Three four seven three two four fifty four zero four. If you have a team and you'd like to comment on your picks, feel free to give us a call. We're we're just breaking down the draft from a fantasy football perspective. C.J. Spiller is definitely a, a, a dynamite weapon out of the backfield, Mike. With Marshawn Lynch there, the, the, the Bills front office has already exclaimed that, you know, there's going to be no moves here to the uh, to the Bills rotation and the running backs. But, you know, that, that only goes so far. You know that Marshawn Lynch has to be shopped right now. Seattle still hasn't filled that need, Mike. Seattle still doesn't have that running back, so I don't know what they're waiting on. Maybe Jonathan Dwyer still comes out of the – comes out of tomorrow, uh, you know, he's a guy that doesn't have a lot of speed. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do, but uh, Marshawn Lynch, it seems like his days are numbered. And Fred Jackson, I mean, he's already on the other side of 30. C.J. Spiller well, is going to be the new weapon in Buffalo. Scott, Mar- Marshawn Lynch's days are numbered only if he wants his days to be numbered. Uh, he's a tremendous talent, and he can do he can do what he wants when he wants. It just doesn't. It, it, it didn't work in Buffalo. Now, can it work in Seattle? I can see that. I can absolutely see that. Can it work in Cleveland, even though uh, we'll touch on uh, Hardesty later? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are so many things Marshawn Lynch can do, not just, uh, you know, from carrying the ball, for, but from out the backfield. It just didn't work in Buffalo. But, you know, it can work in other places. Well, and they need a lot of help. They need a lot of help at the at the quarterback position and the offensive line. Mike, they couldn't stop anybody last year. They, they got completely gassed every single game on the ground. The Bills have a lot of work to do uh, on on both sides of the ball. Uh, Mike, we moved down to twelve, and you know, you when you saw the Chargers trade up, uh, yep. you, actually, let's let's back up because from a fantasy perspective, I don't want I don't want to skip the impact here when the Niners came up. When the Niners came up to 11, you know, and that was I think that was a Broncos pick, maybe the Bears pick. Uh, when they moved up to 11 and they grabbed that Anthony Davis, that offensive tackle from Rutgers, that monster, that beast, I said, man, Frank Gore is moving up my draft board. If there were any doubts, if there were any concerns, I know they had talked about maybe grabbing Spiller. He wasn't there. But now Frank Gore gets another offensive, uh, offensive tackle. That's a little bit of protection for Alex Smith. This team is, is shaping up real, real nice. Five, two, uh, six, five, three, twenty-three from Rutgers. What a beast! Yeah, yeah. That's uh, Frank Gore. Frank Gore's going to have a lot of fun with that, and so is Alex Smith. You you need to give him a little bit more time back there to get comfortable with those weapons that he has, Vernon Davis and and Crabtree, and now you bring in Ken in the slot and Josh Moore, and you got all these weapons here. Maybe they can start to do something. They even added another tackle later, I think. So they've. They've grabbed two. They've really addressed it. I, I like the moves that they're doing. They, they know what the need is. Singletary knows you have to be able to run the ball. Uh, let's move on to the very next pick, Mike. The Chargers moved up the Dolphins pick. They moved up and, and grabbed Ryan Matthews, the future running back of the Chargers, Mike. Uh, there's no question about it. This kid, we did a review on him on Red vs. Blue about six weeks back. Ryan Matthews, six foot from Fresno State, breaking all those records and all those runs. Uh, leading the team in yardage, Mike, this kid can, can definitely be a, a bell cow of sorts. He can be the three-down back. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, we, 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 we know this is Rivers' team now that LT's gone. It's Rivers' team. But, Mike, Ryan Matthews becomes the number one rookie pick now. I mean, unquestionably, right? Don't like him. Don't like him one bit. Uh, he is he is the one that I put uh, I highlighted in pink. Uh I think San Diego traded up for a running back that is not. I mean, he he'll he'll fit in nicely, but as far as fantasy value, I don't see it. I don't see uh, San Diego giving you a running back that's going to be fantasy value for quite some time. Wow. Well, that's that's jumping out on a limb. That's very unconventional, Mike. Uh, the junior from. Uh, from Fresno State, had a huge year. We talked about it, 1,800 yards rushing, Mike, on 270 carries. Right. This kid can definitely run the ball. Uh, they, they say he doesn't. He has the skills out of the backfield, even though you've got Darren Sproles as a, as, a, as a little change of pace back there and maybe, a, you know, the scat back that they need to give him a breeder. But this kid, this kid can definitely carry the ball. And when you've got an offensive attack, uh, they could use some offensive line help. 
But when you can spread the field vertically like Rivers with, with Jackson and Gates and, and Malcolm Floyd, those guys, Mike, I mean, Matthews is going to have a field day back there. Let's just face it. I mean, so, so are you saying you wouldn't take him You wouldn't take no. him over Spiller and, and Dez, but you would definitely take him number three then, right? That's as low as he goes. Here's the deal, Scott. Uh, they traded up to get Ryan Matthews immediately because the next running back that went off the board was, uh, well, I can't find him. It was way back it was, in uh, it was, the it was, it was Javis, it was It was Javis Best down at 30. Javis Best. So, uh, you know, they were begging to get this guy just out of necessity. Yeah, well, you know, they could have addressed it uh, through free agency. They didn't do it there. Uh, and, and you're right. You know, necessity had a little bit to do with it. But a lot of teams like this guy, Mike, a lot of teams around the league. This wasn't just the Chargers front office. The brass around the NFL, everybody was saying The Packers loved him. Uh, the Texans absolutely loved him. They fell in love and. So there were team, everybody that needed a running back knew that they said, look, this Matthews kid can not only have speed, but he has size, he has bulk, he has a frame, he could do it all. They, they looked at him and said, you know, in a, in a league that's full of running back by committee guys, this is one of the rare exceptions in this draft. As a matter of fact, he's the only rare exception in the draft, Mike. Well, let me, let me break it down. What's the difference between Ryan Matthews and um, Ontario Hardesty? Well, there's a, there's a lot of unknowns about Hardesty. I mean, I don't, I don't know what, what we've proved yet. Hardesty has opportunity. That's a good thing, right? I mean, he's got he's got opportunity, and that's what that's what you need in the draft. Yeah, I, I could see him definitely being in. A, you know, he's a first round pick in, in in the rookie draft. But you know, come on, the body of work, the body of work, and the competition that he that he played on, uh, the, you know, the combine, everything everything there uh, that you saw. Hardesty didn't really um, didn't really have a, a huge combine just to, to, to wow people. I mean, had a great season. He plays in the SEC, 1,300 yards and 13 touchdowns. Uh, he's, got a lot of knee, he's got a lot of knee problems, Mike. Multiple uh, knee injuries. Well, I understand that. I understand that, but when you're talking about Holmgren uh, evaluating talent, uh, he feels pretty good about Hardesty, and uh, of course, if he would have had Matthews in front of him, he would have taken him, but, uh, you know, I guarantee you, at the, at, the, at the end of the day, he's going, well, I got Hardesty, and uh, San Diego's got Matthews. I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, you know we didn't we didn't break down Hardesty this year. He was one of the guys that we were that we were kind of we didn't have a lot of time to get him all in. But uh, this, this kid is. I mean, he's low to the ground. He's, he's hard to bring down. I mean, he'll be almost he'll be very hard to tackle. But you know, Cleveland has their issues. But look, this kid, this kid, Brian Matthews uh, is an absolute uh, is an absolute pick here for San Diego to lead them. We're talking about redraft leagues, Mike. He becomes instantly valuable. Dynasty leagues, obviously. Look, he's the number one pick. Redraft, he's not, he, he, has, he has top 15 running back potential right out of the gate. You're the starting running back for the San Diego Chargers. Mike, do me a favor. Go back and research every single, you know, running back that was drafted that high in the history of the NFL draft, and you'll find that every single one of them gets a major opportunity. The opportunity this kid's going to get is going to be at least 200 carries, 250 carries, Right out of the gate, this kid's going to get it. He's going to get the starting job. He's going to get the carries. And Mike, you just can't you just can't look that get get horse in the mouth. If you got the one one rookie pick, you have to consider Ryan Matthews. Uh, you know, I don't even think it's close. I don't, I don't even think it's close. I love Des Bryant. I love the potential he brings. We'll talk about him in a minute. But Ryan Matthews, with where San Diego grabbed him, you have to give him the ball now. You have to. You're paying too much money. He has to get the ball. I, I, I to- Scott, I totally agree with you. Um, just because of the fact that it's a weak division. They get to play Oakland twice. You know, they get to play Kansas City twice. You know, they get to play a weak division uh twice. And so, you know, he, he could end up being he could end up being pretty good, but uh I'm I'm not a buyer on uh Ryan Matthews. Yep. Well, hey, hey, that's why that's why you're you know, that's why you're blue and I'm red. You know, we're gonna we're gonna com- we're gonna conflict here. Mike, look, let's move on down in the draft though. Uh, as the draft continued, we, we, we started to see things happen. Uh, a lot of guys came off the board that Jason Pierre, Paul, the kid with the, with the backflips for the Giants. I mean, this kid's going to be severe. Jermaine Gresham to the Bengals. Mike, finally a tight end goes in the middle of the first round. This kid from, from Oklahoma, uh, he has all the talent, had some injuries, 6'5", 260. The Bengals have never thrown to the tight end, though, Mike. The Bengals moving up here and, and uh, take – I mean, 
you know, taking Jermaine Gresham? I mean, what's 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 going to happen here? Palmer's never thrown. Is is it because he hasn't had the talent, or is it just not part of the offensive philosophy? They've never they've never had a uh, tight end option for him. Uh, it's always been downfield. It's always been downfield for Carson Palmer, and they've never had a tight end option. Uh, I you know I'm sure they have uh, plays inserted, but uh, this could be this could be a chance for uh, Gresham to. Uh, to make a difference in Cincinnati. Well, he's definitely a big target. He's like say, he's going to be over the middle. He's going to stretch the field quite a bit uh, to help, you know, Ocho out maybe. Uh, Bengals are going. To, Bengals are going to be there. They've got some prime time games this year. I'm looking forward to. We have the schedule release on Tuesday. Uh, the, the Bengals have shown that they're in it to win it, and you know they the Jets had their number. You know, in Cincinnati, that was a, that was a great game on the Jets' part. They, you know, the Bengals did what they could do to come back and be a playoff team. That's really saying something for Cincinnati. So, as, as fast as I was ready to let Lewis go and get him out of the league, man, because I was so tired of seeing this guy just tear apart this team and their chances. Last year they put it all together, and that was, yep. you know, Cedric Benson leading the way. That was your boy. Yeah, your boy Cedric Benson. So, yeah, Cedric you know, Benson. I mean, you know. <laughs> You you can't give up on some guys, and uh, you know for whatever reason I was like you know I I cannot give up on Benson, and I've got him in a couple leagues, and I'm not going to give up on him. Uh, he was he was effective, but he's only as effective as the system makes him effective, and uh, Marvin Lewis showed that. Well, listen, Grisham uh, ended up missing the, his senior season with the Sooners, and he and he, and he underwent that knee surgery. Uh, prior to the 2009 season, but look, this kid—he proved that he's healthy. And and this kid, he when he, when he came on the scene as a as a sophomore, uh, he, that was the same team that had like Malcolm Kelly and Joaquin Iglesias. Do you remember Oklahoma? Uh, six six, yeah. and, and he led the team with 11 touchdowns. This this kid, I mean, he can do it. He had he had 66 catches for 950 yards and and 14 <laughs> touchdowns in 08. And so if it wasn't for this injury. This kid was going to be a monster, and, and he just had to prove it. And he looked—he looks like he has the ability to be an elite tight end. Like this is one of those rare tight ends that I would say, look, remember a few years ago back in Dynasty, we would take Kellen Winslow at four and at five. This kid has all those abilities, and if you put him on Cincinnati with Carson Palmer, Mike, I, I can—I can make an argument that this kid should be drafted around seven, eight, or nine in those rookie Dynasty drafts, not in the top six. But maybe seven, eight, or nine, I could make a case for Jermaine Gresham. Is he is he better than uh, Jared Cook? I think same so. Bit, I think I so. Mean, same, same type of situation. Uh, is he better than Jared Cook? I think Jared Cook is one heck of an athlete, and it's taken him a while to get around. That's a South Carolina kid, right? I mean, 6'5", yep. 250. That, that, that kid can do something for Tennessee as well, but... He's got size and speed, and we're waiting on we're waiting to see what Jared Cook can do. But I think I think Gresham is an is an absolute lock to be a beast in the NFL if he stays healthy. Cool. All right, let's move it on. And like three, four, seven, three. What about Demarius Thomas? What's that? Talk to me about Demarius Thomas. Well, Mike, you know how I feel about Demarius Thomas. This is the very next pick in the draft. The Broncos moved up to get this pick for the Patriots. We're saying. What's going to happen? They're going to move up and get Des Bryant. And they shocked the world, Mike. They took to Marius Thomas, the kid from Georgia Tech. I mean, look, this kid can be everything. He's all real deal. He's physical specimen, 6'3", 220. We, we know what he's capable of. But, Mike, how can you leave Des Bryant on the, feet, on the board there at 22? How can you leave Des Bryant out there? This is a case, this is a case of Josh McDaniel making his stand. This is this is McDaniel saying, look, I'm not I'm not selling out for my principles. I'm standing on my principles, and I didn't I I, I traded away the yeah. best player on my team and Brandon Marshall for principles, and I'm gonna go ahead and stand my ground here. I don't I don't see how you can turn down Des Bryant, but he did. Okay. And now he's got Demarius Thomas. I do. Uh, there is no way that Josh McDaniels and Des Bryant could mesh. No way in the world. Des Bryant, who went after. Uh, Let's see, he was a 20, Des Bryant was 24th pick, uh, two picks later after Demarius Thomas uh, to Dallas. Uh, let's kind of compare them. Uh, there is no way that Josh McDaniels and Des Bryant could, could, could mesh because of the fact that Des Bryant basically has no clue, and I'm, I'm, I've got him flagged as one of those that I do not like, along with Ryan Matthews. 
he just he, he shows up late. He does what he wants to do when he wants to do it. He runs routes on his sideline, on his own sideline, because he can't remember the freaking route. Uh, so uh, Demarius Thomas, in my opinion, is a better pick than Des Bryant. Well, I disagree with you. I mean, I love Demarius Thomas. I, I like what we're going to see out of him. He's totally raw, Mike. He, run, he, he, he has a lot of work to do. He's going to have to practice the wide receiver position. The kid is, is nasty big. He's as big as a tight end out there, and he's got a great speed. He's going to get a lot more consistent with his route running, and, again, he's very raw. We'll see what happens. We'll see what McDaniels does with him. Uh, he did have a, that broken foot, uh, which, which kept him out of the combine. But, right. man, this kid, can, this kid can go up and get the ball. He's got great hands, and, and let, let's see what he can do. I mean, he's, the, the sky's the limit, right, with this kid, but, but uh, let, let's see what he can do. I've got Demarius Thomas already slow. I mean, I think there will be some people that take Demarius ahead of Des Bryant just because of where he was drafted, just because of Josh McDaniels needing to put him into the offense. But, look, this kid is, is going to be slotted in there with, with Eddie Royal and, and their other weapons. And, and, yeah, he can be the number one, and I think he will be the number one in a given period of time. Maybe not his rookie season, but, yeah, year two, year three going into it. Yeah, the I, kids should develop some chemistry. But, look, then they move on and grab Tim Tebow. So, Tim Tebow is going to be throwing the ball? Is it going to be Brady Quinn? Or is it going to be Kyle? No, no, no. Too many questions. When I saw that pick, I was like, I couldn't believe that uh, Denver took the 25th pick overall on Tim Tebow. But huh. you got to remember, Tim Tebow, he's not going to start. He's not going to be your starting quarterback in week one, two, or, or year one, two. Uh, they're, they're going to stand pat. Uh, Brady Quinn, I don't know what's going to happen with Brady Quinn, but uh, Tim Tebow, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, it could be uh, it could be Orton to Tebow in week or in year three. <laughs> I mean, that's what it boils down to. Uh, Josh McDaniels, he wanted Tebow. He already told Tebow that he wanted him, and uh, – that's the way it worked out. So uh, that's what they got. Mike, let me ask you a question. And if you've got the if you've got the three pick, you've already well, you've already said Spillers up there at the top for you, and maybe not Matthew. So are, are you telling me you'll take Demarius Thomas over Des Bryant if, if push comes to shove in a rookie dynasty draft? Yes. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yes. Well, you know what? Hey, you know, I would rather let, let's go ahead and move on to the Des Bryant discussion because this is a kid who's who's loved the Dallas Cowboys, playing at Oklahoma State. We thought he was going to be a a much higher. He's a problem child. He has character concerns, I guess. You know, but you know what? Randy Moss had character concerns, and he slipped in the draft. And and then you've got Tony Romo throwing the ball to Des Bryant, Mike. I mean, I don't understand how you could not take this kid. I mean, you got Witten to throw to. You've got Miles Austin to throw to, and now you add another fierce weapon. I mean, Roy Williams is still with the team, and I think Jerry Jones has admitted to himself that was a mistake. He's not there to solve the, you know, and replace uh, Owens. You know, it's going to be Des Bryant on the other side of this ball, and, and you've just given, you've just taken Romo, and you've elevated him into the stratosphere of the elite quarterbacks in the National Football League. Not that he wasn't good already; he's already thrown for four thousand yards, Mike. But now he's in the conversation with Breeze and Rivers, and Rodgers, these guys, because he's got all these weapons, Mike. Des Bryant has a better offense right now, right off the bat, and probably for the foreseeable future. So tell me why you would take Demarius Thomas over Des Bryant. Uh, it's called uh, discipline, culture, uh, just, the, just the way Des Bryant has been uh, in, his, in, his, in his years at uh, Oklahoma State. He has no discipline. He, he shows up late. Uh, anybody that shows up late to meetings, anybody that shows up late to anything, is going to be lazy. And that laziness, will, will that will cost you so many things. Demarius Thomas, he can overcome that. I mean, he, he's a guy that, I mean, he, he's on target. Des Bryant shows me a lot of ability, a ton of ability, but you put him in that locker room in Dallas, and it's going to be a recipe for disaster. I do not like that pick, and I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. Well, Mike, I completely 100% agree with you. Uh, you you know all about the the guys coming in late to the to the office. What 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 type of work ethic and mentality that is? You know, we all know about work ethic. Uh, some people have it, some people don't, and it and it's all a, pro- a product of your upbringing. You know, I was raised by my grandpa. 
I'm always sitting there watching her. She's stirring and she's cooking and she's always doing something. She's working and she's talking about work all the time. She's like, your daddy works every day. He comes home. You got to work every day. And, you know, that stuff pounds into you over time, you know, and you, you start to learn that over time. It's just in you. So when you turn old enough to work, you know, I'm 16 years old and I'm working and I'm already thinking about working and I'm thinking about working, you know, all my life. And so, you know, it's all, it's all about, you know, the work ethic that gets pounded into you from a very early age. So I hear what you're saying. But this was the perfect situation for Des Bryant to be humbled, just to be humbled. You're not a top ten pick. You're not a, you're not a top five or even a top ten. My, Des, you're not even a top 20 pick in the NFL. You went pick 24. And, and yeah, you're a first-round pick, so you're going to get paid. Uh, and, and, you, and you land in Dallas. And I don't know if that's a good situation. I mean, that's. You know, I, I keep being reminded of Michael Irvin and all the issues there with Dallas. But I think Dallas, Dallas was on their way to cleaning up their image, and they bring in Des Bryant. So we'll see how this all meshes, Mike. But it's, it's got to oh, get well, One thing about it, and, and the thing about it is they're going to have uh, Michael Irvin work with Des Bryant to, uh, you know, try to give him some maturation and, and mature the guy or the kid or the guy. I don't know. And, uh you know, I'm not saying it's a bad pick. I just don't like it at that point. Well, Mike, if, uh, if late in the draft is definitely a steal uh, by, by most opinion, uh, we're going we're to take a break, right? And we'll be right back with uh, more reference. Hi, this is Greg Kellogg. You know the routine. It's Friday night. You're looking over your lineup. It's either Lavernius Coles versus the Browns or Lance Moore versus the Falcons. I'm a serious fantasy player, and regular fantasy advice just won't do. I need to know, without a doubt, that the fantasy advice I'm getting makes sense. That's why I listen to Red vs. Blue Fantasy Sports Radio. Catch Scott Atkins and the Red vs. Blue crew chat room every Friday night at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for those difficult-to-make lineup decisions. I'll be there. Will you? Regarding their particular leagues that they're in, uh, whether it be uh, football, uh, 
you know, the NASCAR thing, you know, that was one thing that was a big deal. And, uh, you know, and that that's one thing that uh, FPA is going to do. The Fa- Fantasy Players Association is going to just, you know, everything's okay. But every organization and everybody that's doing things needs to understand that uh, this organization may be behind some – might be a watchdog and just see what's going on and make sure that everything is on the up and up. Well, the, the emails have been pouring in. It's, it's getting overwhelming support for the movement. We hope we look back at this groundbreaking moment for our industry, which has grown and evolved so much over the last few years. I mean, look, Mike, with everything we've endured, the time has come for this association to be born. Every industry has those moments, and maybe – Five years from now, the players will see this in a way we all saw the World Championships creation as being that game changer. So, Mike, the Fantasy Players Association, I mean, from the ground up, we're here to be an advocacy group for the players. We're not here for the industry pros. We're not here for the sites. We're not here for the associations. As much as we like those guys and respect those guys and we need those guys, they have their outfits that that look out for their interest. They have the Fantasy Sports Trade Association. Nobody's looking out for the players. And there's too much of this going on, Mike. Where were these associations when we needed them? So, so this is here just to give a little bit of transparency. This is for those that, uh, you know, get into an event and uh, pay a lot of money. They pay a lot of money to get into an event, and next thing you know, they win, and uh-oh. Yeah. So so. So there are a lot of good contests out there, and we want to make sure that you know about them and that they're, they're out there. And we want to let you keep us aware of any issues that you're having and any, anything you're happy about. We need to know about it all. We need to know the good and the bad. It all goes together. It goes into one big pot. The unity needs to come from the players. Look, you get all this division on all these sites and all these contests, and you have one contest talking bad about another, and look, that's all got to stop. The players have got to come together and decide what to do. If they want to play in this, you want to play in that, that's fine. You just got to know everything coming in. And, and unfortunately, on some of these, you just don't get you don't get the full truth. So, you know, that's kind of what we want to do. We, 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 want, to, we want to review everything from the inside out, man, and be as impartial and fair and unbiased as we can. So that's what the Fantasy no Players doubt, Association Scott. is. Check it out, fantasyplayersassociation.com. No doubt, Scott. And one thing that, uh, that I think that uh, I've been reading the post, the one thing that's uh, hidden with the uh, Fantasy Players Association since I've been reading the post and I've kind of posted a couple times is, you know, you you want to hear the good things too. It's it's not just about all the bad things. The good things too. The good uh, different organizations that do the right thing and do it the right way. And, hey, join them guys and uh, you're going to have a great time. Let's, let's move on with the draft, Mike. We're still hot and heavy in this draft. Uh, right near the end of the round, after the Des Bryant fiasco, I like to call it, and then Tim Tebow comes in and steals the show for, for Denver. You're sitting here, and the Lions, as we expected, uh, the, the Lions, as we expected, did trade up from the Vikings, and they came up and grabbed Javid Best, Mike. Javid Best from Cal, the 5'10 kid. Uh, this kid has all the moves. He has all the electric ability that you look for, a.k.a. like a Reggie Bush. And, Mike, this kid's good for 40 or 50 catches out of the backfield. You could This definitely crushes Kevin Smith's value, any value that he had after those tremendous injuries and, the, and this in, injury that he's coming off of now, which, which a lot of people are looking at and saying it's a total, in, you know, it's a, it's a career ender already, Mike. Uh, he's trying to come back. But, look, the Lions said we've got to have a running back, and they've got an electric one in job at best. Yeah, and what's that do to Aaron Brown? I mean, Aaron Brown uh... – you know, he was a rookie last year and uh, behind Kevin. So, uh, you know, Javid Best is going to come in and uh, be electrifying, like you said. I mean, this guy can do whatever he wants to do. Uh, running the ball out of the backfield uh, in that offense, uh, the, the only, you know, I just, it's Detroit. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Javid Best, I mean, that was a, that was a good pick for them. Absolutely what, Mike, and that actually turns around. It's kind of like maybe, maybe we'll see the new Lions one of these days, you know. I mean, you've got Stafford and Calvin, you got Pettigrew, and now you got Javis Hester. They're, they're getting quite an offense. The problem is, I mean, uh, you know, other than – other, I mean, they also address the they also address the defensive on, on the, the two-pick with Don Sue. So, you know, you, you grab a player like Sue and you grab Beth, you grab two.
two electric players for your offense and defense that, that will just carry your team for the next 10 years. Mike. So let, let's see what this can do. But this, this kid can fit in nicely with a nice aerial attack. They're definitely building a foundation, and that's what you have to do. You have to build a foundation. I remember when the Dallas Cowboys went uh, 115 one year. And they were just smiling at everybody, going, "Okay, whatever. You know, you can uh, you can talk to me all you want, but uh, we're one to fifteen. But we'll be back." And uh, I think I think Detroit, believe it or not, they're not going to be a laughing stock on Thanksgiving Day anymore. Yeah, I, I kind of have that same I kind of have that same intuition, Mike. And when you had Sue and you had Beth and Calvin and all these guys, look, Beth could do it. Like I said, forty, fifty catches of this year. Uh, he's a guy that can definitely run the ball and catch, you know, you know, 10, 15 carries a game. Even he's not a really heavy workhorse guy. But this kid in the right situation with the right offense can really make some moves. I like, I like what I'm seeing here. And Mike, look, I mean, you've got, we've already talked about Spiller, Des Bryant, and Matthews. Uh, I think Javid Best is an unquestioned number four pick here uh, around the league. The number four pick is going to be Javid Best. Yeah, that would surprise me a bit. I mean, you know, the the quarterbacks they fall down. Uh, the tight end, obviously, uh, Gresham, you, you know, you can get him uh, probably in the, well, late, late first, uh, but uh, there's more tight ends that we, that we saw. But, uh, yeah, he, he's, uh, he's top ten pick. Well, and, and again, job at best, number four pick in Dynasty Rookie Draft is where you ought to see him go. Uh, it moves on. Uh, Mike, the, the, the interesting pick here at the, the beginning of the second round tonight, the Chiefs, they were talking about maybe grabbing a Clawson, which would just be completely, you know, uh, makes sense, you know, because you brought in Charlie Weiss for the offense. But this is uh, Scott Pioli's team, and, and he decides to bring in Dexter McCluster. Now, this kid, Mike, whoa, you talk about some wheels on this kid, Five nine one seventy from Mississippi. Dexter McCluster was kind of the talk of the combine, and and what this kid was doing, man, he's 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 dynamic and he's a playmaker, Mike. What this little kid here, the five nine, uh, you've got Jamal Charles already in the backfield. What are you doing, bringing in Dexter McCluster? I thought you brought in your running back already. You addressed the free agency with Thomas Jones. I mean, Jones and Charles, but now you have to to, to use your second round pick on Dexter McCluster. What's the plan here? That that really surprised me. Uh... You know, I, I saw McCluster play, obviously, in the SEC. Being a Kentucky fan, I, I saw enough of McCluster. Uh, the kid is really good. Uh, but what, what Jamal Jamal Charles was doing, uh, I don't know really what Kansas City is thinking other than uh, maybe moving Charles after uh, next year. Well, he ran the four five forty. He's got that tremendous speed. He's got – He's actually he's a little undersized for the running back position, so they're, they're they're saying maybe he could even fill that Wes Welker type role. You know, one of those receivers that just comes in, gets the ball, and if he can turn it around, kind of like a Miles Austin, and and turn that and miss take miss that one tackle, he's gone, Mike. So they're definitely yeah. going to use him as a return specialist. I'm not so sure what this means for Charles, man. As soon as I saw it happen, I really thought, I really thought to myself that man, I should have traded Jamal Charles when his value was at an all time high. Because let's face it, right now. Jamal Charles, dynasty value takes a big, big hit with the addition of Dexter Scott, I don't think so. I don't think so. Not uh, not off this pick. Uh, there, there's no doubt about it. McCluster, I mean, he can play the game. I mean, he is really good with his speed. But I would not say it would take a big, big hit. You might you might get a little bit of a hit, but no. I, I, Stan Pat with Charles. You want to trade him? <laughs> well, it's not that I, I want to trade him. I just I, I can just tell you that I know that the dynasty value is going to be less if I do want to trade him. That's the that's the only problem. So, uh, still interesting pick by Scott Hill. I didn't really expect it. And like you said, with so many other things out there that they could have addressed, um, you know, with the, on the defensive side of the ball, which they definitely need help with. I was a little I was a little shocked here that they decided to address offense once again, especially the running back position, unless they're real fearful of of what they have in Jamal Charles and Thomas Jones, but I don't know why you would be. Just, just a little, just a little. Uh, I was weirded out by that. Let's move on, Mike, because the other pick that I'm really surprised. Surprise! The pick that I'm real excited about here was what the Buccaneers Absolutely. grabbed at 39, right? Aurelius Ben. We talked about this. Absolutely. Tell me, tell me what you think about this guy. Man, I'll tell you what. Uh, Tampa Bay is loving the fact that they got him. Uh, you throw in Freeman. I'm. This team is young, and 
they are ready. And you throw in Aurelius Ben, and <laughs> these guys have no fear now. This team has no fear. And I'm just excited about, you know, I was given Ryan Matthews down the road, Dennis Bryant down the road. I am really high on Aurelius Ben in that situation. Absolutely, Mike. Josh Freeman just found him an instant weapon, an instant target. I think this kid comes in and produces right out of the gate. Now, there's a lot of statistics that say that rookies don't come in. But, Mike, who else are they going to throw to here? I mean, you know, you've got you've got Kellen Winslow that, that has become, you know, the offense uh, for, the, for the passing attack in Tampa. And, and you know what? You've got to embrace that. No matter what you think of, of Kellen Winslow, the kid is, uh, is basically the Tampa offense. But when you're yep. talking about Aurelius Ben, he automatically jumps up right there in the discussion. Uh, uh, you know, Michael Clayton, uh, Reggie Brown they brought in this offseason, Maurice Stovall, Sammy Strotter. I mean, come on. This, this, kid, this kid, Aurelius Ben, moves up right up into the, into the discussion, and he should compete with Kellen Winslow for targets. The reason, the reason that, that I make Aurelius Ben the real deal is what I saw out of Josh Freeman, especially the last six weeks of the NFL season last year. And that makes Aurelius Ben so much more attractive. The, the kid can play. The kid can really play. And Josh Freeman, I, I guarantee you, he's just he's sitting there going, wow, finally, i got somebody that can go get it and with no problem at all. So this pick, to me, Tampa Bay, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Tampa Bay is making things happen. Well, look, there's no doubt about Aurelius Ben would have been a number one, a, a first-round draft pick last year if he had entered the draft, but he was a sophomore. And so he returned to Illinois. And, you know, he didn't look good last year. You know, but you know what? There were a lot of reasons that – the, the injuries that he had, okay, that had something to do with it, but the quarterback production, I mean, it was not what you would expect uh, out of that I'll program. What, I got a good one for you, Scott. If, uh, if Josh from uh, Day Drinkers, is, if he's on the chat room, uh, this would be a good one. Uh, Demarius Thomas, Des Bryant, or uh, Aurelius Spin, most fantasy points scored. That would be interesting. That's a good one. That's a good one. I think you. I think you. I think you could even. Um, I think those other three to three, two to be to be discussed. I mean, there's there's a couple of other guys here that I'm that I'm looking at as well. But I think Aurelius Ben is in the discussion uh, after the big three: Spiller, Matthews, and Dez. I think Aurelius Ben is right there with Demarius Thomas. I mean, that's kind of an interchangeable. You know, once you take Javid Best off the board at four, the five six pick, flip a coin. Aurelius Ben and Demarius Thomas. For me, I go ahead and take Aurelius Ben. I take a really yeah, I leave the first round pick, Demarius Thomas. I don't know how many can even say that though, because Demarius Thomas is so raw and so huge. I mean, that's that's going to be nice to see in the Denver offense. But look, Josh Freeman needs a weapon, and he just got one here today. Yeah, with the absolutely, absolutely. It's a perfect fit, in my opinion. So look, if you've got a top six pick in the NFL rookie draft and dynasty league that you play, you're in very good shape. Just sit back and wait. Let whoever falls fall, and the top six picks are, are going to be money. Now, when you get a little bit deeper than that, Mike, that's when we start talking about this real cluster here that, that I don't know what to make of here, okay? Here we've got Montreal Hardesty, like you said, from Tennessee. we got Dexter Cluster from, uh, going to Kansas City. we got Golden Tate, Golden Notre Tate. Dame 5, to Seattle. Now, Mike, Seattle's got a nice young wide receiver corp now, uh, you know, a future, uh, a future with uh, Darius Butler. And you know, now you add a golden tape to that. That's going to be a nice tandem there for Seattle and Pete Carroll. Yeah, I, you know what? Uh, Pete Carroll's going to—he's going to make sure that Golden Tate uh, succeeds. And I like Golden Tate, and I like um, Ontario Hardesty. Uh, the one thing uh, down the line, I can't stand the fact that in the 87th pick that uh, Denver took Eric Decker, wide receiver, again. Another wide receiver. They're going nothing but position. They're not protecting their position players. And I don't understand what Denver's doing, but Josh McDaniels has a has a reason behind it. Uh, Colt McCoy at Cleveland, I think, is a very, very solid pick. Yeah, that's yet to be seen. I don't know. I'm trying to understand what I'm going to do in the middle of this draft. If you're playing dynasty leagues and you're looking at six through eight, 
six through nine, six through ten. You're trying to these are all kind of interchangeable. I haven't seen this in a while in dynasty leagues, but you've got this Damian Williams kid from USC that gets drafted into a very nice situation in Tennessee. They need wide receiver help, so he could be a couple years away. And then you've got Sam Bradford, and you've got Jermaine Gresham, and you've got Toby Gerhardt, Mike. Uh, Toby Gerhardt, to, to, to compliment Adrian Peterson, look, we all saw what Chester Taylor could do. What, what do you see out of Toby Gerhardt, Mike? He's, a, he's well, definitely a touchdown vulture. Yeah, I like Toby Gerhardt, and I'm just going through looking at the uh, at the top 20, uh, 27 picks, and uh, one, two, three, four, four of them were tight ends. The, the the evolution of the tight end in the NFL has changed. Uh, you, you know, you've got uh, Gresham for Cincinnati. You got uh, Gronkowski for New England. Uh, Dixon, Baltimore, and you got uh, Mielke from uh, Kansas City. I mean, that's four tight ends that were picked in the top three rounds. Position players, four tight ends. That's huge. I've never seen that before. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something to see here, Mike. We've got a lot of players here that are all around this 6 through 10 spot that it's going to be very difficult. I think as we look around the fantasy landscape, we're going to see picks all over the map on these rookies. And, look, we know that all these, uh, when, it, when it comes to high-stakes football, when it comes to the, the regular redrafts every year that everybody's in, you know that a lot of rookies aren't going to perform in their first year out of the gate. So it does take – but for dynasty leagues, look, you're looking for that guy and that gem, Mike, and I love it, that's going to be there for the next three to five years. And there are so many questions here. I mean, Bradford, I'll tell you, you've got the, you know, you've made a commitment when you've taken a first-round pick to at least a three- to five-year experiment, right? You've got to do that. And so right. I think Bradford is a safe play. I think I, I think I think we all know what Bradford is capable of, and, and that's going to be a safe play if you're in need of a quarterback. But Gresham, he's an absolute lock. If you like, if you if you can imagine what having Jermichael uh, Finley on your team, if you like having Antonio Gates on your team, if you like having those stud tight ends on your team, there's no reason you shouldn't go ahead and pick up a Jermaine Gresham. Okay, well, if you're talking, well, and I agree with that. You're 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 pretty high on uh, Gresham, uh, but the one thing that I want to look at is who's going to make an impact now, and who's going to be my impact player not just now, but five years from now as well. And uh, I only see two players right now. I see Bradford and Spiller. Well, making an impact uh, now and then making an impact five years from now. Yeah. yeah it's, definitely, it's definitely difficult for wide receivers to learn the position uh, right out of the gate. We see it every year. You just never know where it's going to come from. And so that's, that's part of the exciting spot here, Mike, but I tell you what, the, the draft, the, the excitement of the draft, and the excitement of the rookie picks has just picked up a notch. I know we have, a, I have a couple of drafts starting tomorrow, and then Mike, we have the Hyper Leagues hosted by Ryan McDowell starting up in the middle of next week. I think is that is that Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, those, those leagues, those those drafts kick off. And then Mike, if you head over to the FootballGuys.com message board, FootballGuys.com, Joe Bryan, David Dodds, those guys, they're always hosting the Spring Survivor Leagues, and the redrafts are, are are going on right now. So head on over there. And you can get your average draft position uh, ready to go and tuned up before the draft starts this fall. And, Mike, I tell you what, the guys at FFPC, they're already starting up with the draft this summer. And we're getting ready to draft. Our first draft is the, uh, the Genesis League. Kicks it all off, and I think that's next week. So, so come and check that out and, and uh, you know, get, get your first look at some average draft position. It's, it's pretty exciting, Scott. Uh, when, when you think about it, uh, you see all these players and you evaluate them. You evaluate yours. I evaluate mine. Everybody in the chat room, everybody listening, they're, they're evaluating theirs. Uh, but my two, uh, right now, I'm going to stand pat. Uh, C.J. Spiller and Aurelius Ben, those are my two that I'm going to stand pat with. All right. Well, I'll go in another direction, Mike. I think Ryan Matthews is an absolute lock for an impact this year and for the next five years. And then I'll go ahead and go out on a limb and say that Jermaine Gresham becomes what he can be. Uh, I think he, he has the skills and he has the talent for Carson Palmer to look to him early and look to him off in, a, in an offense. And so those are my two guys. I hope you've enjoyed the show, everybody. We'll be back next Friday night. We've got a lot of news here in the world of high-stakes fantasy football. Come check us out. We'll see you next week at Red vs. Blue. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your host, Scott Atkins, 
and Michael Trent. Please join us next time. real quick and you know we we always like to do our segment um that we that we brought on you know since i'm a father of two boys five and three silence five and elsa's three uh, i read him a lot of dr seuss and you know the favorite book is you know the cat in the hat and, and so we we've, we've stolen this segment called team one or team two uh and we've we've, we've stolen from the classic from cat in the hat thing one and thing two we've got the dynasty trades that have taken place throughout the, this coming week and I have a, I have one team one or team two uh, trade here to talk about, Mike. I want to I want to get your take on it. Which okay. team do you like better? Team one gives up Santonio Holmes and Dustin Keller, a couple of Jets. Team two gives up Dwayne Bowe. Mike, which team do you like better? Team one that gives up Holmes and Keller, or team Ooh. two that gave up Dwayne Bowe? Um, uh, I like team two. I like team two getting Holmes uh, and Keller. Keller is a beast, tight end beast. Uh, Dwayne Bow, you know, like I said, I he's just too iffy. I, I like team two getting uh, getting Holmes and uh, Keller. I do too, Mike. I think I think uh, for me, I haven't seen. Uh, I saw some greatness in Dwayne Bow early on, and then I've seen a little bit of lazy Dwayne Bow. And and when you're when you're on a, a offense. Uh, uh, Scott Pioli, again, is another guy that's not going to put up with it. And, uh, you know, maybe he gets traded. Maybe he gets put on another team. But right now, Dwayne Bowe's not showing me that he is going to put in the hard work and the time. Now, Holmes, no. on the other hand, look, you got a lot of questions with Holmes, too, right? I mean, this is a one-year experiment here in New York. We don't know what's going to happen here. This is this is Antonio Holmes or Braylon Edwards. One of these guys is going to make the team long term. We don't know which one. They've each got one-year contracts here. So we've got questions about Antonio Holmes, too, but I love the Dustin Keller piece. You 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 like that uh, you like that Colt McCoy huh I heard you you heard you, you were pivoting him up pretty good if he if he throws to uh, Muhammad Masakwai you like the McCoy Masakwai connection huh Yes I do I don't know I think I think he can be one of the better ones I think I think at the end of the day I was watching this Jimmy Clausen kid and he was falling in the draft and I'm like man what's gonna happen here when when's this kid gonna be taken I've heard all these rumors to Brady like he could you know he has that type of work ethic and he has that type of discipline and he's gonna be in the in the film room studying and. He has all the physical tools, so what's what's the deal here? Why isn't this kid moving up? And every team kept passing on him. Like it's like, what's what's the deal? What do they what do they see? Maybe they're looking for this. Maybe they're saying, you know what? We talked we talked about this last week. Maybe they're looking at Tony Pike and saying, you know what? As long as he's still out there, I've got a quarterback option. Well, there's there's just uh, different options uh, for different teams, and what and their structure and what they're trying to do, and uh, that's that's what I saw with this draft. You know, when when I saw Clawson just free falling, which I, I thought that might happen, uh, you know, I'm going, you know, that might not be too bad. Colt McCoy, free falling. That might not be too bad. It just depends on the situation. Different teams want to get different players for their system and what's going on. It's not a reflection on the player itself. It's not a reflection on Clawson or McCoy. It's just what different teams want to do. I guarantee you, Colt McCoy is very happy to be in Cleveland because he has an opportunity. That's all you want. That's all you want. You know, the one thing is, though, Mike, the one thing is about Colt McCoy, (laughs) he didn't get paid. He did not get paid. You don't get paid if you're a third-round pick in the NFL. You're going to have to prove it. On this note, we'll see you next week, Mikey. All right, sounds good.
Get back.